If a small flock of cartoon bluebirds didn't help you get dressed this morning, that just means you haven't yet listened to Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor. No, the black dress slacks, please. Thank you. And now, Jim Hill. Welcome to Fine Tuning with Drew Taylor. I'm entertainment writer Jim Hill, and we are here at the lovely Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. Uh, all 75 miles of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, kind of a hike to get to it's this. It's a little, resort. yeah, yeah, but you know what? We're getting our steps in, and that's what's important. That we are. Beautiful it's, resort. This is our live. There are actual breathing people. Not many of them. Not many but, of them. <laughs> but actual breathing people. You here. guys are hardcore. You get a you get a commemorative pin. That's right. right? Yeah. So there we yes, go. Yeah. Now we have to go make it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, these folks are here. They're, they're part of our Pixar in the Park events that the nice folks at Storybook Destination were, were nice to set up. And It's been fun. Originally, I was almost a little concerned that this was a little too inside baseball to work the notion of just going to Disney World and focusing on on Pixar, on just the Pixar yeah. attractions and the show. But I, I feel like it's it's been a fun one. Just last night where we had everybody on... Buzz Lightyear Space Ranger spin, and we, we you know, tell them where the, the where the to shoot. Were. Yeah. But we actually had two galactic heroes, people who got 999,999 points. Wow. Uh, what about Clements, Mark Wad, and Sylvie Edgar both took home prizes, and they took home their little galactic hero sticker, which yeah, I, I didn't know. I thought, I, you, I thought you said it was a button. I it was some, well again. This tells you about this is why no one should believe Jim Hill. Well, this is why. <laughs> Well, actually, it's it's more about the modern Disney company. That's true. There was a button at one point. It became a sticker. It, it's kind of like what's happening with, with Streetmosphere at the Disney Hollywood Studios. Right. Yeah. Remember when there used to be actors here? So. Record profits. And that same night, Mike Bennett got to be that guy in Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Big ups to that guy. And we didn't set that up. I want to stress that yeah. you were on genuinely randomly selected. So... Also, I just want to give a quick hello to the two folks who had to cut out early today. Evidently, Aiden had school tomorrow, so hello. Glad somebody has something to go back you know, to. Everett yeah. Stefan and his son Aiden are flying home now, and it was great to see them. They're great. I think Aiden's uh, going to take my job. Yeah. But seriously, folks, you should have come. We got to go cool places. Like just this morning, we were in the old United Technologies corporate suite at the Living Seas, and... That was amazing. Yeah. Was that a highlight for you guys? Yeah. We were on the bus that was driving around Perimeter Road, and they took us by the construction site of Ratatouille, and you didn't take any pictures. No, of course not. Didn't run in there. Okay, good, 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 good. And I have questions about that site that's being cleared next to Germany. That's Brazil. I I did not say that. I did not say that. Um, Okay, so anyway, this is an an animation news podcast, so let's get to the news. The Grinch opened up on Friday, Illumination's latest release, and just checked the box office title uh, totals and $66 million debut. And we kept all of these people from seeing it. That's right. That's the the good thing. As soon as we're done here, we're all going over to the... Disney Springs, Disney AMC. Springs. Or we can go oh. to CityWalk. So, I don't know if you folks have heard the story about Benedict Cumberbatch. And here's illuminations. And the thinking was, if you grew up with the 1966 Chuck Jones special, you had that wonderful voice of Boris Karloff, that great, definitive, British-sounding voice. And so here they were going to revisit and do a full-length animated thing. And it's like, who's the modern equivalent? 
of Boris Karloff. That sort of voice and get Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> and there were these great interviews out this week. So Benedict is like, all right, so this is Dr. Zeus. He's an American author, right? It's like, yeah, okay. So this, the, the Grinch should have an American accent. And it's like, oh, God, no. And evidently the folks at Illuminations thought they'd wear him down. They'd, they'd bring him in. And I guess he did like a total of 20 recording sessions. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Figuring eventually we'll get him to do the voice we want to do. And he never did. When I was watching the trailers and watching the teasers and the t commercials, and it's like, I thought they got Benedict Cumberbatch to do this yeah. movie. And it's like, no, no, it doesn't sound like him at all. Well, that's what I was telling you. I was so excited to be on the set of Doctor Strange a couple mm -hmm. years ago. We're in London. It's a, We're in a former tank factory on the outskirts of London. We get to talk to Benedict Cumberbatch, you know, hey, doing some magic, you know, throwing some things out, you know, and then we get there and he is in character the whole time. And it's like, Benedict Cumberbatch, nice to meet you. And it was... It was incredibly disappointing. Though, you know, what wasn't disappointing to me, though, did, did you see the, the Secret Life of Pets 2 trailer that yeah. just dropped? Yeah, it was cute. The first film, the, the lead dog, yeah. was, Max. Max, yes. was voiced by Louis C.K., who obviously has some employment issues at the moment. <laughs> so they bring in Patton Oswalt, and there wasn't even a speed bump there. There wasn't even a... No? Did you guys see that trailer? No. Oh, it's it, cute. Anybody in here, or do we have any cat lovers other than Nancy or cat owners? Or There's this wonderful moment where it's all these animals are gathered at the vet, and it turns out this is a behavioralist. And then at one point cut to these, these two cats in a carrier, and they just say, we start fires. I'm going Nancy to the movie like just for that. You know, <laughs> just, just have to go to that. What kind of concerns me, though, is its release date. It's the 7th of, of 2019, or June 7th. Mm -hmm. And we know it's coming out two weeks after that. We do, Toy Story 4. Yeah. yeah. You were telling me last night about Toy Story 4, has, since Josh Cooley became the new director when they announced that uh, last year at the D23 Expo. Right, yeah. I, th I don't know how much I can say about that. Uh you're going to see a boat. Boat Peep is still in it. Yep. We talk about how that was always going to be part of it, and it was John Lasseter's love letter to his wife, which mm. I'm sure they're going to walk that back, <laughs> release the hug on that one. And, yeah. uh, but Boat Peep will be in it, and it's going to be a very different Boat Peep than we've seen before. This is Boat Peep who's been sort of hardened by her experiences. Well, speaking of tough experiences, mm -hmm. there, there just in the past week, this, there have been a bunch of stories, or, you know, I mean, Tim Allen's been out there promoting Last Man Standing, mm -hmm. and that sort of the subject of Toy Story 4 has come up. And he's talked about how evidently the last scene of this movie was so tough for him to record. He actually, you know, normally when you're recording, you're in the booth, the people who are supervising the recording are directly in front of you, and you're, you're reading off of your little music stand. And evidently, she said he couldn't make eye contact with people doing that. He had to turn around and face away. And it's like, wow. and it's one of these things, what the hell is going to happen in this movie? It's like, <laughs> look, you know, I barely survived Toy Story 3. That incinerator scene damn near killed me. Yeah. And speaking of which, have you seen the videos on YouTube where really cruel children bring their parents in to watch Toy Story 3? And what they do is they've edited you know, so it, it literally, you see the characters in the incinerator, and then they cut to the credits at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, you know, and they're videoing their parents, like, what? That's how it ends? And they can't end like that. But yeah, I mean, it's like, 
what happens here? I think by the end of this podcast, I'm going to have to turn around and... <laughs> I don't want to know. Okay. Speaking of John Lasseter, uh, you were the one just last night who pointed this out, that John's moving on. Yeah. So there is a story that broke in the Washington Post, I think yesterday or the day before, that he is taking meetings with WME and a couple of other agencies about getting back out there. And what field does he want to enter? The podcasting field. So John, we're John. gonna have some some competition soon. John, enough. John we have an open seat. <laughs> yeah. You know, no hugging. Yeah. But you know, um, you can sit next to you. Okay. Yeah. Well, there we go. Well, that, that's the thing. For years, people used to brag about I got a John Lasseter hug. You'd go into a meeting with you. You gotta hug me. I'm a big hugger. Right. You know, but a male, female, everybody a hug and. And now, I've, you now people go to the police and say, I got a John <laughs> Lasseter hug. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, we've been talking about John all weekend with this Pixar and the, the park event. And, and we make fun here probably inappropriately about his situation. But yeah. it, it's hard to have gone on all of these attractions. It's hard to have uh, seen the, these shows and not appreciated what the man accomplished, what he did. Yeah. And so it's, it's a little weird for me to, to be thinking about a post- John Lasseter Pixar. Yeah, to me it's almost like Michael Jackson where he's this clearly this like man child yep. who has never grown up mm-hmm. and thinks it's okay to goose people and do mm-hmm. other things and his genius was definitely there but there's something sort of stuck about mm-hmm. him. But he obviously gave us so many amazing things and amazing experiences that we've all done in the past couple of days. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, speaking of things that I, I can't quite wrap my head around, the you saw the story about Illumination rebooting Shrek yeah. and Puss in Boots with the original voice cast. Yeah. These are DreamWorks animation properties, and, and obviously Universal has purchased DreamWorks Animation, and, and their in-house animation company was Illumination, so... What, Chris Mellorin? Yeah, I don't know how to pronounce the Chris Mellorin. Sorry. We'll, we'll go with that. Rented lips. Yeah. It, he's the Ubermeister of, of animation right now at Universal, so he's in charge of Illuminations, he's in charge of DreamWorks, and it's just, it's kind of weird that... Illuminations would be making a Shrek movie. Well, is it supposed to be them doing it, or is DreamWorks going to be animating? Well, the way at least the the initial article is written, it it suggests that Illuminations is like sort of waiting in and we'll fix this character. Right. Well, we had talked about how that was one of the things they dangled in front of him when they bought DreamWorks. That is true. That is true. So this has been on the back burner, but him committing to it is definitely something that's interesting, especially because... And Illumination movies don't look great, and I wonder if they are up to the challenge of, of those worlds, but... My first Illumination movie was Despicable Me, the, the first movie, and, and honestly, I still have a soft spot for the movie. For example, if I'm channel surfing and I arrive on Despicable Me and I make the mistake of landing on the scene where they're at the seaside carnival and it's it's my turn. I've lost 45 minutes of my life. I have to stay with the movie all the way through the end at that point because I I love the girls, I love the storyline. I'm not a big fan of the sequels though. I feel like it's a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. Although the the first Minions movie had its charms. Did it? Uh, Well, some charms. (laughs) I don't know, it's just for somebody who, who writes about animation or, or studies animation, it's a genuinely strange time because it's like, I mean, for example, when you look at what Netflix is doing right now and the number of people who worked at Disney over yeah. the years 
who are now there working a new project. I mean, we have Glenn Keane and his son, Max. We have, of course, our, you and my favorite, Alex Hirsch. Alex Hirsch, yeah. Craig McCracken. In fact, we, you and I were just whining last night about we miss Wander Over Yonder. Yeah, you know, you've never like, seen that. Oh, it's such a great little show. The two seasons. Two seasons, yeah. And, and Sergio Palas. Who came up with the idea for Despicable Me and Thanks. Smallfoot and is yep. an idea-generating machine. He's mm. got a gorgeous-looking movie coming out. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I want to say, is it Klaus? Klaus, yeah. It's this wonderful idea about this young guy. He's a representative of the post office going out into the wilderness and trying to explain the concept of the post office to people who've never mailed anything before. So he's literally going door-to-door to try to sell the idea to people. And he arrives at this in the woods at, at this lone woodcutter's house. And the thing is that he opens the door and he's looking around for the person. And what the silhouette you see is basically a giant homicidal Santa Claus. It then becomes the story of how Santa Claus actually gets into the delivery business. He pairs with this kid then delivers toys to the world. And it, it's great design. It's a sweet idea. It's 2D. 2D? You yeah. Know, who, who couldn't love that? Yeah. Um, Jason Schwartzman, Rashida Jones, mm-hmm. who famously was co-writing Toy Story 4 she for was, a period. She was. Uh, J.K. Simmons and Joan Cusack. Yep. It's going to be in Toy Story no. 4. Yeah. It's going to be a great cast. And the weird thing is Netflix is being so smart about how they're doing this. For example, they brought James Baxter in. Think about just the work he did on uh, Enchanted. Princess Giselle. He's the head of animation over at... He's head of character animation. So I read an interview about what he's going to do. And he basically drops into productions and just makes sure that everything is sort of up to code. And he's not on anything specific. He just kind of goes where they need him, which is really fascinating that he will do that. Just from a quality control point of view. And I think the one that for me is most startling is that... Chris Williams, the co-director of Big Hero 6, that he's over there now. And tell them the quote. Yeah, there's a video that sort of is like a sizzle for all these people that are now involved in Netflix. And he said, basically, you get to do the thing you never thought you would do anywhere else at Netflix. And so he is writing and directing a movie about a sea serpent. I forget what it's called, like Max and the Sea Serpent or something. And so it's going to be really great, I think. And Here's open. Yeah. What's interesting about what Netflix is doing is they're building this army of super talented animation creators and they're redditing all these shows in the year just ahead of when Disney Plus, by the way, we've been calling it Disney Play. Yes, Disney Plus. It's Disney Plus. That debuts next year, 2019. So, uh, well, that's the thing, right? They don't, they can't license anything out anymore because yep. Warner Media is going to have their own streaming service. Disney's going to have their own streaming service. So, the the amount of Netflix original things mm. has to be top of mind, and it also has to be enough that, to see people through. Because pretty soon it's just going to be Netflix. And Netflix is just going to have Netflix original things. So, you know, it's like trying to figure out what projects go out theatrically, what projects go to Disney Plus. Right. Anyway, we we wish all of those guys well. And to be honest, you know, I've got a daughter I'm trying to get into this industry. All right. So (laughs) I, I don't wish any studio badly, but oh, God, the trailer just dropped for Spies in Disguise. Did anyone see that? All right, I'm going to try to do right by this movie. <laughs> Don't uh, try to do right by it, just try to explain it. In any well, case. I mean, again, and again, I want to caution folks, it's just the trailer, and you have to understand that, as we were talking earlier today with the the trailers for John Carter of Mars, sometimes you don't have the good stuff to work with to make a really good trailer. 
But basically the conceit of this is it's sort of a, a, a James Bondy character, a super talented secret agent uh, who's voiced by Will Smith. And you get to see about 30 or 40 action shots of him in action and it looks great. And then yeah. it makes a hard left to basically, you then see that he's been turned into a pigeon. You know, you know, of course, that old chestnut. That yeah, yeah, James Bond becomes a bird. bird. And you know, you have the scientist who's invented this, who's voiced by Tom Holland, and it just and Tom Holland is the kind of Q character. This is not. This has not been totally explained in the trailer, but yeah, he's his Q. It's never a good sign when this film was originally supposed to come out in January of 2019. It got pushed to April, and now it's, what, September 13th? September 13th, 2019. So, that's so we have a whole year to really anticipate <laughs> Spies in the Sky. Really get ready for it. You'll be working on your cosplay. <laughs> there, the we go. Yeah. there we go. Okay. It'll be great. But yeah. doing a great trailer really is an art. Because also this week, the trailer for Laika's next project, The Missing... It's missing a, Link. Missing Link. Just Missing Link, yeah. And that's sweet. That's charming. That a wonderfully funny edge and a nice counterspin and it's like this one I want to see yeah but this is uh, written and directed by Chris Butler who did, last did Paranorman which I think is one of the great animated movies of the past couple decades you know it's, it's interesting you say that because as part of Freeform's 31 Days of Halloween mm-hmm. uh, they re-ran that again and man that holds up nice yeah it's I a mean, wonderful it, it, movie when you think about Kubu and the two strings and, yeah. and what else, they really do different stuff yeah. there. And Box just, Trolls, I wasn't huge no, on. No, but, no. But it was, it was, no, it no, had yeah. a point of view and it had a distinct look and all of the things that... that look, look, for me, Box Trolls sort of came across as if I want to make an Aardman movie. It was just sort of like, well, you know, can't you let Aardman make Aardman movies? Right. And speaking of... We bring up Hardman. Yeah. Uh, speaking of good or great news, I mean, they're going to be an employee-owned company. Yeah, they're an employee-owned company, which is really interesting. They also announced this yesterday or the day before. So all the employees will have a stake in the success or failure of Hardman, and they look like they're about to have a big hit on their hands with the second Shaun the Sheep movie, which has the greatest subtitle since Electric Boogaloo, I think, which is Farmageddon. <laughs> uh, so I, I think there's aliens or something involved in the next Shaun the Sheep. So yeah, it's very exciting. Early Man was sort of a miss for them, but I don't know how well it, it probably did well in Well, we, we were talking about it. How, how many of you saw Early Man? No, you see, wow. this is the thing. Yeah. It's like, it was time for the World Cup. It was the, the most soccer-centric film I have never yeah. seen in my life. It was the most British thing I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, at that point, just make a movie about cricket. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, same no. thing here. So, and now, uh, speaking of Artman, is, is it true you and, and, and Katie have a Halloween tradition of watching The Curse? Oh, well, yeah, we just we just watched it again. It's, uh, it's one of the best stop-motion movies, I think, ever. Do you love it? It has its charms. You don't love it, really? No, no, no. no. The weird thing of it is is that when they were making that in DreamWorks, I got to go to DreamWorks. And this was the problem. They were were showing it as a work in progress, and there's a lot of stuff that got cut. Ooh, spill it. Well, you know, I'm I'm trying to to remember the specifics, but it was just... There was a reason that, that DreamWorks and Aardman split, that, that Jeffrey got very, very, very hands-on. Yeah, and I heard they, they wanted, it was too British. That was literally the complaint. And, and the, the thing is, as somebody who grew up 
watching Monty Python or watching Doctor Who, you know, that there's no such thing as too British. Right. So what did you see that didn't make it into the movie? I remember more clearly, in fact, it was flushed away, the film that was following. Yeah. And man, they took the, the, the hammer to that one. I mean, really? for example... I, I kind of like that movie. Well, I, I, I wish you'd seen the original version. Yeah, me too. Like, at one point, the rat that's living in the house had two little butlers that, you know... <laughs> really? Were, yeah. Uh, were they also mice? Ha- no, they were hamsters. Oh, and wow. It, but it was in the See, whole- that would have sold toys. Yeah. And then two little... Yeah. Bu- yeah. So, speaking of movies you sent, you have actually seen... Ralph Breaks the Internet, Wreck-It Ralph 2. I have. All right. Are we going to talk about that now, or are we going to, should we, we break? We are going to do a commercial break. Okay. Right, so hang in there. And we're back. So you folks have seen the original Rugged Ralph from 2012, right? You know, wonderful film. And for me, what's fascinating about Wreck-It Ralph is... Disney, at the point that they finally got that movie out, they had put over 15 years into development of it because they, 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 all they had was an 8-bit... The, the basic idea was an 8-bit character moves out of that world right. into modern gaming. And so for a time, it was called High Score, and then it was called Joe Jump, and nobody could break the back of the story. I mean, it just, it was a unique concept. People could do great art, but it's like, how do I care about these characters? And John Lasseter lures Rich Moore over to Disney. And Rich is kind of like, what am I going to do here? And it's like, well, I got this idea that nobody can break, and why don't you take a run at it? And so that's what Rich does. He wades in. And, and what's fascinating is for the first three months that he's working on the movie, the star of the film is Fix It Felix. Right. You or know, a fix a Felix type character. Yeah, I mean reboot Ralph. Right? A reboot Ralph. Yeah. Right. But the notion is that he's basically Mario Jr. And the notion is I don't want to go into the family business. I don't want to be the guy with the the hammer that jumps up and down the building and battles Donkey Kong. And that, by the way, Wreck It Ralph did in fact. I mean, if you look at the original concept art, it's Donkey Kong. Right. right? You know. Yes. I mean, it's just he's this big ape-like guy, and then. When Disney legals like Nintendo will kill us. Okay, all right. Now he's a hobo bear. You know, in fact, that's one of the reasons why Van Alpen makes all of these hobo jokes because again, he was a hobo bear for a, for a part of this movie. But as Rich was making the movie, he said, you know, I'm trying to make Fix It Phil. It's a, a compelling character, but the more interesting character is the guy who's throwing garbage down at him off of the building. That what's Ralph's issues? You know, and what would it be like to be doing that? And and so he pivots and starts working on the character that way. And they went through a lot of iterations of stuff. In fact, do you remember Easy Living 2 when that was part of the movie? No. He wanted to touch on all aspects of, of gaming. And so at one point, Ralph and Vanellope basically go to where The Sims meets Grand Theft Auto. Okay. It never entirely worked, and the notion was that it took away from the story they were t- telling, but he said there was stuff there, and if we do make a Wreck-It Ralph 2, I definitely want to get back to that idea. So here we are. We so were- here we are, and if you've seen the trailers, you know that she goes to a Grand Theft Auto-type there we world. Come. To double back to, to, to Rich now, this is Rich's third film for Disney. We, we, we got... Wreck It Ralph 2, we got yeah, Zootopia. Yeah, his second film in two years, which oh, is God. crazy. Yeah, no, this is nuts. The poor guy has been working like a dog, but 
if you were to describe to somebody what is a rich more movie i think it has edge we were talking about how katzenberg always wanted movies to be edgy Mm -hmm. at disney but never really were and then when people tried to replicate that it often came out abrasive but i think that rich goes to places that you know other people are afraid to go to Mm -hmm. but there's always a sweetness there well that's and that he's afraid he's never afraid of tackling kind of contemporary you know social issues Mm -hmm. in a way that especially if a movie is set hundreds of years in the past, mm-hmm. can't do. Moana yep. is not going to talk about cyberbullying mm-hmm. or things like that. But Zootopia, obviously, was a movie about race that w- you know happened to have animals in it. So I think that, that kind of allegorical and sociopolitical commentary that he always brings mm-hmm. is so refreshing and so funny. And obviously, Jim Reardon was head of story on this, and you know he's done all the best Futurama episodes and Simpsons episodes and is a really funny, genius guy. So to have those those kind of sensibilities in the room, I think, helps immensely. What's great about Rich is it's not just that it's good writing. It's that he's also a guy who, when he has designers and artists who work on a film, I mean, face it, you know, when an animated film is in production, what will happen is, oh, that's a great idea. Great idea. Yeah. Let's hand it over to that guy to be rigged or that guy to be painted. Oh, yeah. I was and telling this to, to you. you yeah. wa- watching Wrecker Ralph 2, you can feel two artists in particular, Corey Loftus and mm-hmm. Amy Thompson, who designed all the characters in this movie. And you can, like, they are really, like, Corey and Amy's drawings in three dimensions on the screen. And there's sort of no, whatever iterative process they went through, they wound up on screen. And it's a lot like watching. Mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty and saying, oh, that's Ivan Earl or that's Mary Blair. And I think it's been a long time since you've been able to sort of see artists mm. in the movies like that. All so right. that was really amazing for me. Okay, now how can we do this? Because it comes out in two weeks. As we talked about all weekend, I have a, have a long history of getting lost on the way <laughs> back from bathrooms. And that at one point, the rec- I walked through the Record Ralph production offices and they had art up for oh, that's right. other, mo- other games besides this mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto game. And one- at one point, they were going into a World of Warcraft style game. Wow. And I think there was a third one that they went into. But th- those have, have since been deleted from the movie. Well, speaking of things that didn't make it into the movie, can you, can you tell us about Yeah, I've heard from people who saw early versions that there was a... We've all seen the, like, princess scene. And that part of that scene that didn't make it in was a scene where Vanellope jumps on the back of Dumbo and gets chased by a TIE fighter, which is pretty amazing. Like a full-on Star Wars dogfight. In the middle of this movie. Lucasfilm allowed that to happen. And yet, Rich has talked about the fact that they had a scene with Kylo Ren. That that, that Kylo Ren was a whiny baby. I I think that was... Spoiled brat, yeah. Spoiled brat. And it was like, and Lucasfilm, no. No. no, You can do some things. But you can't, you know. But I will say that for the Star Wars fans out there, I'm sure there are some... Michael Giacchino reprises mm-hmm. his role as a stormtrooper from The Force oh, Awakens in this cool. movie. That's cool. Uh, just look in the background of those scenes because there's just so much. I saw Arlo from Good Dinosaur. I saw a oh Peter Pan God. ride vehicle. I mean, there there's some crazy stuff in that sequence. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. Now, again, without giving away plot, if if you were to talk about themes, what are, what are our themes here? Well, <laughs> what's interesting about this movie is that I've come to describe it as the cinematic equivalent of having a hundred tabs open on your browser. Uh, There are, you know, the movie jumps around a lot from Mm -hmm. plot point to plot point. 
in a way, it's sort of like a package film, like an old package mm -hmm. film that just happened to have the same two characters going through it. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of like we were on the, uh, the Three Caballeros there today. We go. So there we it was go. sort of like uh, okay. the Saludos Amigos. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, they tackle the issues of, like I said, you know, cyberbullying mm -hmm. and what friendship means and a lot of really interesting things, but also it has time to do jokes about the dark web and different memes and uh, a climax that apparently got him in some legal hot water with the Toho folks, which we can talk about after the movie comes out. Oh, yeah. now, okay. Now, yeah. Now, <laughs> does it involve a certain radioactive? Giant, is, 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 oh, no, yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, wow. well, well, you'll see it. Okay. But, uh, cool. yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really a fascinating movie, and it's just beautiful. It's sort of just this kind of pop art explosion all these characters coming in and that's, and, that's yeah cool. it's great that's cool. and he and rich said you know what we knew that this movie would be dated the second it's like a new car the mm. second it rolls out to the to the cinemas it's going to be dated i'm sure there's going to be websites that aren't there mm. you know next year but that he wanted to create this kind of timeless story within that world and that that would sort of outlive whatever technological uh, constraints the doubling back to one of the reasons i, I love rich is that he, he allows people to come to the table you wouldn't necessarily allow to come to the table. And for example, John C. Riley. Yeah. One of the reasons that Wreck-It Ralph, the first one, landed as well is that is John himself helped work on the script. He wanted the character to be as authentic as possible. And they brought John back to work on the script for two. And yes, he has a story credit. Yeah. And, and w what's funny is that he actually had issues with where the story went, right? Yeah, well, what's funny was that he always wanted Ralph to go on all these all the adventures in the movie. So when Penelope would go on off and hit her own, he would say, well, maybe I could go with her. And they had to say, you know what, R Ralph needs to sit this one out. You know, just he'll have his, his moment. But he also said that one of his ideas that didn't make it in yep. was that he wanted to encounter Ralphs from other Wreck-It Ralph consoles. Oh. So that he, but they said, you know what, Ralph has gone through his midlife crisis. You know, we gotta have to let, let him move on. But I think that would have been a fascinating thing to see him interact with other Ralphs from other versions of the game. That does sound Some cool. Some metaphysical. And yeah. you have to stay till the very end. Yeah. There's a mid-credit scene. Yep. We talked about how with the, the cat and the bunny are not in it. Well, yep. they found a place for him in the okay. credits, but you have to stay all the way to the end mm -hmm. so yeah. and we need your help because there's a credit in this frankly that we don't understand yes you know? we would love to know what this means but andrew stanton who we've talked about a lot this weekend as the director of finding nemo and finding dory has a uh, narrative guru credit so so what, what that means i will never know especially from the man who created John Carter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the epitome of streamlined narrative uh, filmmaking. But so. yeah. Did any of you guys go to D23 and see the princess scene there? Okay. So some of the gags from that are well, sadly cut as well. In fact, well. what kills me is the one, the, the gag I love the most with it describing the flaws that the Disney princesses have. And at one point they come to, to Princess Jasmine and they actually get Linda Larkin to come back. Yeah. What's your beef? What's so tough about you being a, a princess? And it's like, well, you know, my protector is a giant tiger. And then she makes this horrible, phlegmy cough. And, it's like, and I'm allergic to cats. And then she pulls out an inhaler. And it's like, oh. 
And it, I mean, it was this great gag. But again, yeah. like, I think the phlegm did the men. Yeah, um, that and, the, and Snow White being legally blind. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was cut. But it has a great button to that sequence and a brand new song by oh. Alan Menken. So okay, don't worry, you'll get extra okay, stuff. Okay, cannot wait. Yeah. Cannot wait. But speaking of which, the, I guess the when, when, when next we record will be after everyone gets to see this movie. Yes. It's uh, great. You'll love it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of yet another fine-tuning. Well, anyway, on behalf of my co-host, Drew Taylor, and our wonderful live audience that has suffered with us throughout the weekend being dragged from park to park to park. I didn't think that I could see them get more bored. (laughs) But I think this... There you go. Really... It's it's Sominex with feet here, folks. All right. On behalf of Drew, thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Be sure to tune in again for another fine episode of Fine Tuning with Jim Hill and Drew Taylor.